one of the things um, that I, I wanted to talk on tonight, if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. And you know, I, I, I just got to thinking that so many people have a hard time receiving the love of Christ. You know, they think that they've been in too many things that they that they can't receive. I was talking to uh, Minister Mara the other day, and, and she was um, trying to lead someone to the Lord, and the person didn't want to, even though they said, oh, I believe in Jesus, oh, I believe in God, but no, 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 I don't, I, I don't want to do that. You know, we've ran into a lot of people here that have a hard time receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord, and a lot of it's because, oh, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, forgive me. I've done, you don't know what I've done wrong. You don't know uh, what I've done, that it's, it's unforgivable. But the thing is, God forgives everyone. You know, it's not like there's any sin that he can't forgive. There's, it's not like that he will not forgive. I mean, even Paul murdered Christians before he had his great transformation. And so God used someone that actually murdered Christians, turned him around. He thought he was doing God a favor, you know? But God turned him around, set him on fire, and he was actually the one that, that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And God used him in a great way. So, you know, you, you read that story, and I think sometimes... God used that specific story for us to understand that even the worst of the worst can be saved. God loves every person, but we have to receive his true gift. But the same thing comes with healing as well. A lot of people think that they can't receive healing because they're not worthy or they don't. They, they, God just won't heal them. I understand that God healed in the Bible, that Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed, but I don't think he'll heal me. And so much of that stems from the fact that people have a hard time understanding that God loves them. Because if they understand the love of God, they would be able to receive easily from him. So tonight, I wanted you to, to start out with, uh, I'm actually going to go through some of the 23rd Psalms, but I want to read this scripture to you first. And in 1 John 4, let's start at verse 16. And it says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he abides in, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has perfected among us. Sorry, I'm reading a different version tonight. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Everything that Jesus was, that's who he wants us to demonstrate in this world. And don't put the limitations on God. I can't say that enough in this time and in this hour. Don't put limitations on the word of God. Don't put limitations on God. People read the scripture and they think, well, he didn't mean that. Well, he didn't mean, you know, that we're actually supposed to go out and lay hands on them. Well, he didn't mean that, that you know, that applies to corona. You know, he, he didn't mean that, you know, that there's limitations there. But there's no limitation that says that God went around healing all who were oppressed, but he wasn't able to heal corona. Or he wasn't able to heal certain diseases. He healed all who were oppressed. He healed anyone that came to him and asked him. For a miracle. Anyone. So moving on it says. 
Where was I at? So we in this world. 18, that's what I want to get to. But there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That was verse 19. But perfect love casts out fear because fear, fear involves torment. Fear involves the idea that, that there's going to be something tormenting me. There's going to be some sort of punishment involved. That there's going to be some sort of rejection involved. Or some sort of, uh, you don't receive me. You know, this is what keeps a lot of people from even uh, getting into a, into a position of holding a microphone and speaking to people. The fear of public speaking. Why? Because they're afraid that people won't receive them. That's really what it comes down to. It's a fear of not being received. Now, the problem is not you needing to go make sure that everybody else is going to receive you. That's not it. The thing is, what really needs to happen is the true love of Jesus Christ being shed abroad in your heart that you understand that he loves you. When you understand that he's received you, that he loves you, then you don't fear other things. If you understand that he loves you, then you're not going to have a fear if man has something to say against you. If you know that he loves you, then you're not going to be afraid to step out for him. So the problem is, is when we come into a fear of, of displacing that fear onto people, thinking that's who we need to please. But it's not people that we're trying to please. We need to have a revelation of God's love for us. So when we get that revelation and that understanding that God loves me and actually understanding he died on the cross, even if you were the only one to be brought back to your creator, to the God that created you, then he would have done it because he loves you. And when you realize that he bled and died for you and rose again to give you life, then that means that you, you're starting to walk in the understanding of his love for you. So perfect love casts out fear. When you begin to walk in the perfect love of God, well, that, mean, that means you can go up to someone and begin to talk with them and not have a fear of whether or not they rejected you. So many times people, people have, have rejected the message of Jesus Christ to me, but I didn't take it personally. It's very easy to know if you don't realize that God is the one, you know, you're doing this for him. You're doing this. You got to keep the love between you and him. This is, this is where it matters. When this gets filled up and it overflows and then it overflows into someone else's life, you're able to love them whether they love you or not. That's how people can go through persecution and still at the end, or go through torment and still at the end, they'll look at that person and say, I forgive you. It's the very thing that Jesus did. He looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because it was the overflow of God's love in their life. So when we begin to experience God's love, when we understand how much he loves us, then we can begin to step out into areas and not be fearful. We'll be better witnesses. We'll be able to step out in, in the things of faith. We'll be able to step out in the gifts. We'll be able to step out in the fruits of the Spirit. So everything that the Word of God talks about, we'll be able to do it greater and better measure because we understand his love for us. Amen? Amen. So tonight, I want to go through a bit of Psalms 23. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get through all of it, but Psalms 23. 
I want to just begin to uh, dissect this down a little bit because this is one of the greatest, most amazing passages when you really understand what's going on here. When you understand uh, from David's perspective what was really going on. Because David was a shepherd, so he spent his his boyhood, he spent uh, the beginning of his life shepherding uh, the sheep. He spent a lot of time on his own, him and the sheep. You know, that was it, him and the sheep. And he spent a lot of time uh, understanding a shepherd's life. So he understood the idea of Jesus being called the good shepherd. God being his shepherd. The Lord being his shepherd. So I want to go through this because the whole idea of the shepherd, and of course that extends into Jesus is the, the good shepherd, right? But he extends that and says, okay, I'm going to put people over you. I'm going to put uh, pastors there. They're called the under shepherd. They are, it's like an apprentice to the great shepherd. They learn from the great shepherd and then God gives them a responsibility to people. And even the people themselves, you whether you know it or not, have a responsibility to shepherd others. There should be those under you. That's because he said, go and make what? Disciples. He's telling the people, not just pastors, everybody, to make disciples. So when he's saying make disciples, he's pretty much saying, you guys are like shepherds too. So in this, you can actually go through this two different times. Once understanding the great shepherd's love for you. And then go through it a whole other time with a thought process of how am I doing in this in my own life towards others. So but we're going to go through it tonight with understanding the Lord is my shepherd. And how does that affect me? How do I see this happen in my life? How should I be seeing my, my friendship or my view with God, my relationship with the Lord? So we're going to, we're going to dig into this. The first verse of Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I'm not even going to go one. I'm stopping right there. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. Do you know that a shepherd, one of the first things that they do when they, when they get a flock of sheep or they get a new herd in, one of the first things they do is they take each, each one of the sheep and they have to put their ear on a block of wood and take a very sharp knife, razor sharp, and cut a notch in their ear. It's not a fun job, but they cut a notch in their ear, and it's specific to the, the same mark. They give the same mark to every sheep. Every one of the sheep gets the same mark. So they can look at the sheep very easily. It's like branding. They know which one is theirs and which one is not, because sheep have a tendency to want to get out of the fence, and they always think the grass is greener on the other side. So you got to mark your sheep so you know which ones are yours. Well, guess what? God marks us. Do you know what he marks us with? The Holy Spirit. He marks us with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians 1.13, he says, You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You were marked with him, with him, you were marked in him, sorry, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession. You are marked. The, when, the very time that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. 
You now have, have the Holy Spirit that's there for a purpose. It's not just there to be there. He's there for a purpose. He's there to guide you, to teach you, even to rebuke you at times. To guide you into the right direction. If you're doing something wrong, the, the, one of the greatest things there is, is the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Because he will show you the path that you're supposed to take and the one you're supposed to avoid. But you are marked and you have that deposit on the inside of you. It seals you. You know what that word seal is like? In the, in the old times when the king, uh, he would write a letter or he would write uh, something that's important, uh, a, a decree or something, and he would pour wax on it. And then he would seal it with his signet ring. So it was marked that it was by the only person that had that signet ring was the king. And so he would mark it with his mark. No one else had that mark. You are marked by the very king of kings. Isn't that awesome? You are marked by the very king of kings. The one that created the universe. The one that made every living thing. The one that made the mountains, the seas, the rivers, every animal, every person, everything that exists. You are his. You are marked with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You are his. Well, guess who else knows that you're his? The enemy. Yeah, he knows who you're supposed to or who you belong to. He knows that you're God. That's why he has such an anger towards the children of God. Because he cannot touch God. Yeah. He can touch God's beloved. He wants to come after God's children. Because that's the apple of his eye. You are precious in his sight. He loves you. He loves each of you uniquely. That's why there's such things as, as, a, as the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Because God can show someone about your life for you to know that he knows even the things you do in your bedroom. Even the thoughts you think. When you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know which, which way to go here. And someone that has absolutely nothing to do with your life can get a word of wisdom if they're led by the Holy Spirit and tell you, I don't know why I'm getting this word for you, but this is what I feel like the Lord's telling me. And it'll be right on. And it'll be like, how did you know that? Because God loves you so much. It's never to shame. It's always to encourage. It's always to lift you up. So when we have that marking, we got to ask ourselves, Am I putting myself under his authority? Those sheep, they got to put themselves under the authority of the shepherd. Are we putting ourselves under the authority of the great shepherd? When he directs us, are we following that direction? Are we listening for his directions? You know, there are certain animals that they only come whenever they hear the, their master, right? Like uh, my grandpa, he'll go out to the field and, and he'll have a certain call that he does for the cows and the cows only come just for my grandpa. They don't come for anybody else. You can go out there and try to make the same call and it's not going to matter. They're just going to raise their head, look at you, and, and just go back to eating. They don't care. You don't make a difference. Now, if he goes out there and he makes a call, it's going to be completely different and they'll come because they, they know their master's voice. And in fact, that's what God says about us. That, that we will know his voice, and in others we will not follow. So we got to realize his voice to us is very important. we got to follow his voice and not follow the voices of the world. What, and that's another thing, too. The voices that you're around the most, those will be the ones that you follow. So you got to realize when things, like now, when everything's screaming in your head, are you filling yourself up with the voice of God? 
Are you praying to him? Are you having quiet time with him? Are you listening to him? Are you praying to him? Are you are you shutting up long enough to listen? Because you can't just go in and do all the talking. And then go, okay, peace out, God, see you later. Give them time to speak to you. So listen as, he, as he's wanting to guide you. And then make sure you're getting in your word every day. Because it's so important. It's how you become familiar with his voice. You know how many times I've been in, in situations or issues? And it's like, God will speak to me, but he'll speak to me through his word. I'll be like... Uh, thinking this, but then boom, a scripture comes, and it's not like he even has to speak to me personally, because I already know the word in that area, and it's like the scripture just comes, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know, I know that that's, that's what I need to do here. So the more you know the word, the more you're going to know the character of God. And it's just like, the more you spend time with the person, the more you're going to know their character, and you're not going to have to go ask them every little thing, because you know what they're going to say. You know their character enough to know exactly how they're going to respond to something. So that's how we need to be with God. We get to know him. We get to have a relationship with him. The Lord is my shepherd. Second part, I shall not want... That means I'm not going to lack. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to be in a position where he's just going to give me very little. But the thing is, our trust has got to be in him. Because like I said earlier, sheep have a tendency, because it's very interesting that God compared us to sheep. There's a lot of similarities there. There really are. And sheep have a tendency to want to wander outside of the fence. They can have all the grass in here, but it's just like, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And the next thing you know, their head's caught in the fence, or they're, they're trying to get over the fence, or they find a gap and they get into, the, into the, someone else's field when they had grass on the other side. But, it, you know, it wasn't what they wanted. They wanted that grass. It's the same grass, but they still wanted what they couldn't have. And the thing is, it's that's a sheep that's not trusting in God. Thinking, God, you're holding that from me. Why are you putting that fence there? Why are you putting that boundary there? I want what's on the other side. Well, that can be in various things of our, of our life. Just like marriage, right? You know, marriage, you have a commitment to your spouse. You're not to go wander outside of your fence. That's there for a reason. You're to honor your spouse, to love your spouse. You're not to go out searching for, for greener grass because, believe me, there's not greener grass out there. It's an all an illusion because people have tried that. And the next thing you know, that one didn't make them happy and there's more greener grass that they're trying to find. There's always going to be an issue. So I shall not want. That means I shall not want. I will not uh, sit there and try to uh, go after these things and have a desire. I will be content. I will thank God where I'm at. I will thank God for the things that he has given me. I will not lack. I will not be in a position where I'm trying to, to go after something else. You know, a good analogy. I, I was reading a... A, a, a book that a shepherd had written in, a, in Africa. And the thing is, he, he wrote a whole book on, on the Psalms 23. And I had read it before, but I read it all again over the last couple days. And it, it just is so good. And every time I learn more from it. But he was saying, you know, not every shepherd is good. We know we serve a good shepherd. But whenever, even if it comes to leadership, not every leader is good, right? Not every employer is good. 
but still we have to trust in our great shepherd. But when it comes to other people, you got to understand, like he was giving the example. There was these sheep and um, the, his neighbor had sheep and these sheep kept trying to come over to his side. Well, eventually these three sheep did. They came over, they gorged themselves on the grass, and the next thing you know, they, they had uh, laid down and they couldn't get back up. And they were, had just gorged themselves. So he loads them up in the wheelbarrow. They looked a mess. They had uh, mud and everything all over them. He, he, he takes the wheelbarrow and he takes them over back to his neighbor. And he said the neighbor could care less. This guy didn't take care of the sheep. He didn't, he didn't care that they had snuck out or slipped out. He didn't care that they were a mess, that they needed taken care of and loved one right now. He said he took a knife and he slit all three of their throats. You know, there are some shepherds that aren't good. We understand that. But we should never doubt the love of God. Because God is a loving shepherd. He is a good shepherd. There's none like him. And that's exactly how it is with the world. We can try to sneak out. People can try to sneak out of, of the commands that God sets up. Saying, honor me in these things and I will honor you. If you if you stay in with the covenant boundaries, I will bless you. But there's sheep that try to sneak out and they get hurt. They get cut. They get wounded by people or by maybe people that were supposed to be in authority over them. But God is the good shepherd, and he never does that. When we come back, he cleans us up. He takes care of us, and you're going to see more of that as we go through. So the next part, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, he makes me to lie down. It doesn't mean he comes up and pushes us down and says, you're going to lay there. But, you know, he's not saying that. He, what he's saying is he, he takes his sheep to places where there's green pastures and it's going to be peaceful. What he's saying here is I'm going to bring you into a good place. And I'm going to make sure that good place is free of, of areas that are going to cause you stress. But again, it's up to us to trust. Right? Because if we don't trust him and we're always trying to get out of the area that he sets up for us, then we're always going to be coming into problems. But he it says that he will come into this area and he will he will make sure he stands guard. Like in fact that's where the Bible talks about there's a uh, the true shepherd and then there's the hireling. The hireling is the one that's just hired, but he'll he'll bail out if it gets tough. But God is the true shepherd. And it says that he will be there all the time. Because that's what a shepherd does. He doesn't leave his sheep. He makes sure that they're taken care of all the time. Because if he leaves, then there could be predators. There could be things that try to come after them. In fact, that's one of the things. Sheep are very, very fearful. Very fearful. If you've been around sheep, and they're very skittish. They panic very easily. In fact, they, uh, if, if anything out of the norm is around, then they have this look like this. I mean, they're just, <laughs> it's just like they're, they're panicked and they just, you know. And <laughs> there was this, this time where, where because uh, I used to ride my horse uh, up this um, dirt road all the time, and there was a, there was a shepherd that, that lived there, and his, his sheep was across the road. So he had the dirt road, and his house was here, and across the road was, was his field and his uh, his sheep barn. So anyway, 
I wasn't paying any attention. I was, I don't know, who knows. I was relaxed in my head, solving problems. I was just on the horse riding. We weren't even running, you know, just very, very casual. And, and I didn't see all the sheep in the sheep barn. There's probably about 50 of them. And, you know, it's dark because the sun wasn't shining into it. But they're all crowded into the back. But, of course, they all feel like they're trapped now because now there's this horse coming and it scared him. Well, the thing with sheep, all it takes is one sheep to get scared. And as soon as it runs, they all scatter it. They don't even know what they're scattering for. You, it could be a rabbit. And if one scatters, they all scatter. They're scared to death. They'll run because one ran. Not because they know. I mean, they could be running off. Well, why are we running? I don't know. Just run. That's pretty much how it is. So I, I was riding the horse. And, and next thing you know, and I was not expecting it at all. Next thing you know, one sheep decides that he's scared. He darts and 50 follow all out the sheep barn, but they're all trying to get out at the same time. Well, my horse wasn't expecting it because he didn't see them all in there. So he jumps sideways because he thinks something's coming after him because it's like right there. Well, I flew off the horse because I went the other way because he jerked and, and jumped this way. So, I mean, it was all a mess. I was there by myself, so nobody witnessed it. <laughs> but now I'm sharing it. So, but the thing is, sheep are very skittish. And if we think of that for ourselves, how easily people can panic over things. And it doesn't even take uh, the thing really happening, or it may not even necessarily be as bad as what, it, what something could be. But we get skittish about it. And we all of a sudden, oh, did you hear this is what's going on? And it's just like rumors and craziness. And we believe the worst statistics. And, and we believe everything that comes our way. And whatever, the media is shouting. That's everything that we hear. And it's the only thing that we'll focus on. And we don't realize that there's maybe a lot of other things going on that we don't know. We may not have all the truth, you know? And, the, and we, we have to still trust in our Lord. Our Lord is not going to allow harm to come to us if we will listen to his voice. So much goes back to that because if the sheep panic and they run, well, what are they doing? They're running out of the shepherd's presence. So we've got to realize you can't panic. You can't just start running by fear. You know, that, that really is the essence of what's going on right now. So many people are panicked. So many are fearful that they're not trusting in their Savior. They're not trusting in the Lord. And it's like, well, this doesn't matter anymore. You know, we can't, we can't take this. We gotta, we gotta make sure that we're trusting in what the world's saying or trusting in, in the doctor and trusting in that. My God's word is higher. It is greater, it is stronger, it has more authority than any doctor or any media source. I'm not saying that there's not a virus out there. What I am saying is the word of God is higher than it. Yeah. It is higher than any enemy. I don't care what the enemy is. God's word is higher than any enemy. So sheep will not lie down. The shepherd can take them to a good place, but they won't lie down if they're in fear. Well, then that means they start getting scrawny. Because they're just, they're, they're just, you know, and they get all jittery. It's like sheep on, it's like people when they get, when they get on drugs. They, just, they get all jittery. They can't relax. And it's just constantly, you see them walk up the street and back the street, nothing. They, they don't even know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They just got to go. <laughs> I 
Another reason sheep won't lie down and just relax is because there's tension among them. You guys have heard of the pecking order, right? The chickens have a pecking order, or uh, you know, dogs like the alpha dog. Well, sheep have the same thing. They have a butting order. They will butt each other. Like if there's some sheep in the herd that have a, an aggressive personality, then they then they will butt each other to to determine who's like top sheep. And so they'll. <laughs> And they'll, they'll get this look in their eye and this gait and this proudness and, and what they're, you know, and they got their eye on that one right over there because he's got the good grass or whatever, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of grass, but he's got what I want. And they'll just, like, start coming right at Now, if that sheep doesn't move, he's going to get knocked off his tail. He's going to go flying. So this, this sheep, now the problem is he'll do this if the shepherd's not around. But if the shepherd comes in and he sees the shepherd, and if the shepherd is one that's a good shepherd, he'll discipline that sheep. And then the sheep will stop. He might try to do it when the shepherd's not around. Isn't that interesting? But if the shepherd steps in, he'll quit. He'll quit being a bully sheep. There's bully sheep out there. But he'll quit. And he'll straighten up. And, he, and he'll just like, you know, not, not bother it anymore. But he said the, the sheep that are the most peaceful are the ones that don't get mixed in with all of that. They don't pay any attention. They're over there relaxing while this one's high stress maintenance because he's always he's always fretting that he's not up top. He's always thinking somebody's got something better than him. He's always thinking that someone else has got a position he doesn't have or a better this that he doesn't have. And, oh, what's that one got over there? Well, I don't got that, so I need to go get him out of that so I can have it. But the thing is, when God talks about his church, he's saying the same thing, that we don't need to become competitive with one another, that we don't need to have a budding order in church. <laughs> we don't need to be like trying to knock each other down, you know, to show how tough we are or show how great or show our talent or show, you know, anything like that. Because the thing that happens when God steps on the scene or God begins to deal with our heart, guess who gets disciplined? The budding sheep, the one that's trying to, to walk around and be a, a brute. And so if we're doing that, God's going to discipline us. We can't think that our way to the top is through uh, budding everybody or bullying everybody or, or trying to put somebody else down. It's about lifting one another up and encouraging one another. So we got to, you know, don't allow, because that whole thing has to do with fear too. You're afraid that someone else is going to get something that you don't have. You're afraid that they're going to get the spotlight or they're going to get the position or they're going to get the love or they're going to get... I mean, even the thing is, I've always told my kids, if they're, if they're, if one does something and the other tries to correct them, you know, having three kids, you know, somebody was always trying to correct somebody else, you know, and it was just like, they were always trying to take authority, you know, be the parent. And I would always say, guys, if you're not the parent, you let me handle it because if you step in and you start trying to discipline your brother or your sister, then guess what? You're now in trouble. You now just got in trouble more than what they did because now I have to deal with you. So that's how God is. He's, he's saying, if I've got to discipline you, if I have to make sure that I'm dealing with you, don't think that I'm going to promote that. Don't think that I'm going to give you something for acting like that. He's not going to go over and start petting the sheep and go, oh, did you want that bit of grass? No, he's going to, he, there's going to be a disciplinary measure. All right, number four. So he leads me into to lie down in green pastures. He, he, it's not like he's making me, 
But he's bringing me to a good place. And if I will trust in him and I will listen and I do what I'm supposed to do, I can relax in that place and enjoy the provision that he has given me. And there is provision because it says he leads me into, into places where there's green pastures where I can lie down. He takes me to provision. He goes out and he actually scouts around. He's looking for that all the time. A that's part of the shepherd's job. He goes out and he looks for the green pastures. Because if you look at Israel's area, there it's not all green like it is here. They, there's area that is very dry. It would be like trying to take sheep over, for those of you from Hawaii, it'd be like trying to take sheep over to Lahaina. You know, it's trying to find the, the grassy areas. But the thing is, the shepherd will go and look for the grassy areas and take his sheep there. So there's provision. He leads us into provision. The next part, he leads me beside the still waters. The still waters. Why still waters? Because still waters are, are calm. Remember how I said they don't like noise. They don't, sheep do not like any, any loudness, anything that's going to make them afraid. So rushing waters, raging waters, waters that are loud are fearful. They won't drink. It scares them. So he leads them beside still waters. Still waters that are quiet. When it's quiet, they can hear the master's voice. Of course, what does water represent? His word. He leads me to the places where I can draw from his word. The three places that, that sheep usually get the water is usually the dew from the grass in the morning or at night. Or they'll get it out of a, a well, a cistern. And the thing is, with the well or the cistern, he'll lead them down so far, but then the, the shepherd actually has to pull the, the water up for them. So the shepherd will actually do all the heavy work, all the hard work, to bring it up to the sheep. And then the last place is a stream. So those three places, he will lead them to these places. And sometimes he has to be the one to draw it for them because it's not safe for them to get down into that place. So he's still providing, but he makes sure his sheep have water. The problem is, is when sheep become thirsty, they'll search for waters, and if there's not some readily available right then, guess what? They'll drink out of a dirty mud hole. And they'll drink out of something that's polluted. And something that has parasites. Something that has uh, worms or, or uh, things that are in it that's not good. And it'll actually cause fit problems in their digestive system. And it will actually pollute them. But they'll drink out of that. Sometimes sheep will drink out of it where all the other sheep have trailed through it, where there's manure in it and everything else, and they'll drink out of that. And they'll think, oh, it's okay. You know, how many times do people just drink whatever has been given to them? People go on in searches, and they'll disregard the word of God, and they get off on some flaky stuff. They start searching for something to fill their soul. They'll start searching and they'll say, oh, science is it. Science has all the answers. I don't know that I believe in this God thing anymore. There's a lot of scientists that when they started studying scientists, they begin to disregard God. Or they start, people will start getting into new age or spiritualism. People start putting academics first. People start putting sports first or hobbies first. People can even put religion first. Do you know that? Instead of them drinking from the water of the word and spending time getting nourishment, they'll actually put religion, the acts, the, the, all the traditions, 
They'll do religious things. They put their hope in a candle. They'll put their hope in, in something uh, by doing. You know, well, I, I work at the soup kitchen. I, I give clothes. I do this. I do that. And it becomes a social gospel. We were studying in our history this morning with the kids. It talked about in the time of the Civil War all the way up into uh, in between the time of the Civil War and, the, and World War One, And there was a term that people began to, to deviate away from the things of God and it started becoming a social gospel. Meaning they started doing good works, believing the gospel out of it. There was a lot of people, even pastors, that began to quit uh, focusing on the word of God and they just started doing the feeding or the housing for children. Still good things, but they wouldn't preach the gospel. They wouldn't give them Jesus. They wanted to give them food. They wanted to give them socks. They wanted to give them how to, how to get, your, get a job. Let me teach you some skills. Let me give you a home, but I'm not going to teach you about Jesus. I'm not going to give you Jesus. And people can, can get into that way of thinking where they feel like they're filling their heart with good things. That I'm, I'm a good person. How many times? Well, if you knew that you were going to die today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Some people say yes. When you ask them how, because I'm a good person. Because I'm a good person. But the Bible doesn't say if you're a good person, you go to heaven. Come on. The only way, the only way into heaven is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And Jesus, he says, he's the gate, the only way. I mean, even through this, there's no, no other way into heaven. There's no other way to God our Father except through Jesus Christ. So we got to make sure that we are drinking of the living water. Not of stagnant water. Don't fill yourself. It might quench your thirst, but there might be a parasite growing. Understand? Because people that, like if they drink, they're quenching their thirst and they're saying, yeah, that, that did it for me. That makes me feel better. But they don't understand there's, there's a virus growing then. There's, there's a parasite growing then. So we got to realize that we got to drink the right water. Jeremiah 2, 13 says, My people have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That's what God said during Jeremiah's time. People have, have dug their own cisterns, and their cisterns are both broken. They're leaking. They have went out and tried to create their own instead of drinking from the living water. So we don't want to make that mistake. He leads us beside still waters. He loves us so much that he gives us his word. And we got to make sure that we stay tight with that, that we're receiving it, where we're not filling our heart with other things, that we're not trying to feel our satisfaction with other things in life, with other academics, trying, well, if I just get to the top with this, or if I get this job, if I get this career, if I get this much money, if I get this to fill my life, it's not going to bring satisfaction. There's many celebrities. They reach the top. They get all of these things. And then they, they come to this place where they commit suicide or they're still lost and they're drunk all the time because they don't have a hope. Because Jesus Christ is the only hope. He's the only one that, that can actually fill that void in our life. The next part, he restores my soul. Now this one, he restores my soul, is because... Which I didn't realize this, but you know the verse where, where David says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? 
Psalms 42.11, he says, Why are you downcast on my soul? Why disturbed within me? Put your trust in God. That's what David was telling himself. There are times that he talks to his soul and tells his soul to praise the Lord, tells his soul to remember all the benefits of God. He's like, soul, get with it, because your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. So it's if you're feeling down, if you're feeling uh, like you just, just, oh, man, I'm just not feeling it today. I've just been dealing with this. I've been dealing with just, uh, you know, things aren't making me happier. All the situations aren't lining up for me. All of these things. Why? I'm just down. I just don't, I don't feel good. I feel depressed. I feel this. I feel that. Why are you downcast, O soul? Forget not the benefits of God. Begin to praise him. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. The thing is, what happens with, with sheep? They get cast down. That word cast down, it means that the sheep will go somewhere, and, and if they lay down, and if their feet lift up off the ground a little bit and they can't get them back down, then they're down. And when they can't get it back down, when they can't get traction, they freak out. So then they start trying to get up. Well, then it can make them come up even more. So then there's sheep that are just laying there in the meadow just trying to get up. But then after a while, they get lethargic. They can actually die that way. So when the shepherd, because there's there's gases that get built up inside them, and it can kill them, and if the sun is hot that day, it can kill them within hours. Yeah. So when it's saying cast down, that's what David's talking about. Because he's, he's saying, like, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Like, you're stuck in a position where you can't seem to get out. You're stuck in a position, I can't get my footing. I can't get back on track. I can't seem to get. But the shepherd goes and finds that one sheep. When it says that he counted the 99, but he's missing one, he goes out and he finds that one. In fact, that shepherd was talking. He was like, you know, if I count and I, and I find that I'm missing one, then he's like, my heart just drops. Because it's like, I could be within minutes of that sheep dying. So I gotta find it to make sure it's okay. So he can go searching for hours, looking for a sheep that's either caught in the thicket or or in the thorns or has fallen down the cliff or is laying out in the field somewhere, cast down, with their feet just up in the air and they can't get traction, like roaches in in Hawaii. They yeah, they just lay there and for hours they just stay there like this with their legs moving because they can't get up. <laughs> but that's how the sheep can get. But they can die. And so the shepherd goes and looks for them. And then he sets them back up. He, pull, he puts them back up. And he, he puts them in between his legs because they can't. They're like paralyzed at this point. Their legs, after all the blood has gone down. And they don't have blood in their legs. And so they can't, they can't stand. So he, he balances them between the legs. And he starts massaging their legs. And getting the blood circulation flowing back. And, and just uh, massaging him. And, and he might start off for a little bit. And he might fall back down. And he'll go up and get him back in place again. It could take several minutes to get him in a place where he's actually stable enough. But God goes and looks for the one. That's why it says he leaves the the 99 and he'll look for the one. Because he cares so much about the one. So he restores me. He restores me back into the flock. He restores me and brings me back and gives me that hope. Gives me that future again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the problem is most sheep do this because, first of all, they get too relaxed. That's one of the reasons. They, they, get, uh, they get too fat 
or they get their wool gets too heavy and they they topple over like if they lay down they just can't get back up because they got too much going on and the thing is their wool can get so matted with manure and mud and and the thickness of it and that actually represents the world you know the high priest could not go into the holy of holies with wool because wool is a representation of sin it represents your contact with the world so the wool on that sheep is a contact with the world. It picks up all of the brush and all of the thorns and all of the burrs and all of the mud and everything. Now, if you shear that sheep, it's going to be nice and clean. Should be, unless it's got scratches or anything on it. But that wool is what's in contact with the world. It's what Dr. Morocco calls defilement. When we get defiled because we've been rubbing against anything of the world. So a person can get defiled. They can get too relaxed where they're at and feel too secure in their position and realize all of a sudden, man, I'm stuck. What happened? How did I get in this position? How, how am I upside down on this now? So we've got to be careful that we don't, uh, we don't get self-secure. Revelations talks about that. People that don't realize they're blind, but they're blind. People that think that they, they're, all their, their trust is in money. But the thing is, God wants us to trust in him. God says to trust in him. The other area, they, they, they look over at a, a patch of grass where the grass is really thick. And it looks like, oh, that's a, good, that's a good place to lay down. And they'll go over there where it's really thick. But you ever, especially in the springtime, here in West Virginia with the kind of grass we have, the, that first cut, you know how you can go and, and the, you'll see the grass and, man, it looks really nice and green and thick right there. Well, you get over there and you're walking and then you actually, because it's lower, there's a dip there, but you didn't realize it because it all looks the same height. But it looked nice and lush and green. Well, it's because there was a dip, but, but you didn't see it. Well, the, the sheep will see that, and it'll look like a really nice pillow. Well, they'll go over, and they'll lay down. Well, then they don't realize it's a dip, and then the next thing they're, whoop. But it represents the soft places where there's no hardship. The soft places where there's no demands put on me. The soft places where I don't have to do anything where I don't have to put forth effort, where I don't have to, where I can quit uh, exercising any faith or quit uh, uh, doing anything in my, in my spiritual walk with the Lord. But we're not, we're not called to be lazy. We're not called to, to, to step back and just say, well, Jesus, just take care of me. You know, God wants us to be putting forth and exercising our faith, putting forth effort to be the people he's called us to be, to be walking out the assignment he has given us. So he has to come over and he has to restore us at times. I'll go through the very last one. We'll save the rest for next week. It says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned on their own way or to his own way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. 
You know, there's there's a way that, that we always think is right. And the thing is with sheep, they think that the same path over and over and over and over, they always want to go on the same path. Repetition, routine, routine, routine. And we can get like that, which isn't always a bad thing. Routine can be a good thing. But sometimes the shepherd, he's like, no, we're not going that way. I have a new path for you. I have a new trail for you. We're going this way today. We're done with that pastor because the, the shepherd has to constantly be moving his sheep. Oftentimes it's once a week he's moving his sheep from pastor to pastor to pastor to make sure that he always has them in good good land where they're not eating the grass down so thin that they're eating the roots and all and then there's no grass to grow. So he leads them into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, re he leads them onto the right path. And the sheep don't always know that path. And oftentimes they want to go their own path. They, but I'm used to going this way. I'm, this is my routine. This is what I'm used to doing. But God is saying, no, I have a new path for you. Uh, this is the right path for you now. I know that maybe you've gone that way before, but it's not the right one now. So we can't be used to just constant routine. Sometimes we got to shake our routine up. Sometimes we got to add something else to our routine. And if the Lord is pressing us to do that, like, okay, you've done this. You've got this built into your schedule now. Now I want you to add this, whether that's reading the word of God or prayer time, or, or uh, maybe you need to, to put more uh, music on in your home, praise music. Maybe it's uh, something with your kids. Maybe it's family night. Maybe it's whatever it is, reading, reading to your kids. I don't know. But whatever God, it can be, it can look so different with every person. But God may be trying to lead you onto a new path that's been unused, an unused path where, where he's trying to bring you into a better place. And again, the thing is, when one goes, they all want to go. So if the, the one that ended up in the front starts going down this path, well, they all want to go down that path. The thing is, in the church family, we are all called to do the same things. And sometimes we can look at somebody else and go, well, that's the path I want to go on too. But God may not have called you on that path. He may be calling you to do something different. He may be calling you to do something that, that is uniquely yours, uniquely your own. And you don't need to compare yourself and say, well, well God took those two people on that path. Well, he might want to take you on a different path. Amen. He may have a different pastor for you. He may have some different things for you to learn. So God's taking you on the path that is right for you, the righteous path for his name's sake. It's always for his name's sake. It's for his purpose, not for our own. We benefit from his, from his caring for us. We benefit for him wanting to, to give us good things. But it's always for his purpose. He overflows us so that others can benefit. He overflows us. You can't overflow and not get the benefit of the of, of the overflow, but then he also wants you to spread the overflow. Amen. So God looks at every person very special, very uniquely. He has his eye on everyone. And even next week as we go through it, you'll see that even, even more as we go through. Uh, you know, I was really hoping to get through uh, verses, verse 4 tonight, but we'll, we'll go through it next week. But I want you to understand that God loves you. That you're not just an, another sheep in the herd. There's a lot of sheep that every sheep he cares for. 
You know, shepherds can have names for all their sheep, and they can have like over 100 sheep, and they still have a name for everyone. You know, and it's, he looks after each one. Even with the little, the little lambs, oftentimes they'll get separated by their mothers when they're very young. And there's a lot of sheep, and, and they'll, he'll, they'll use their staff and pick it up and put it right back to its mom. Because he doesn't want to touch it, because the scent of him might get on the little one, and then the mother may not want him. But he cares enough to get the little one back to its nourishment. Every little detail matters with the shepherd. Every little detail about your life, he cares about. So even this week, begin to look at your relationship with the Lord as something that is special, uniquely different. The path that he has for you can look different than the path he has for someone else. He's leading you to quiet waters. He's leading you into a place of, of green grass. And he's leading you there to be peaceful, not to be freaking out all over the place because well, there's, there's a, a giant animal over there. Well, there might be, but he's the shepherd and he's going to take care of you. We'll get into that too because that's, that's what the shepherd's job is. His job is. He's not going to leave you. He's there with you all the time. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, why don't we stand? We'll close out in prayer. But walk out with boldness this week in knowing that your father loves you. Father. That's why he says, he, he says that he's a father. I'm a father. You know, he's not, he's not a, a God in heaven that wants nothing to do with you. He wants everything to do with you. He is your daddy. That's why we sing that song. I know a lot of people don't understand it because they don't understand. They think it's like a, a, a childish way of singing. He is my daddy, oh. He is my daddy, oh. It's a popular African song, right? Yeah, but the thing is, I think that it brings uh, the essence of who God really is because we are his children, you know? We, we are in and of ourselves, we can't do everything on our own. We have to go to our daddy, the father, you know, the one that provides for us. So he is my daddy. He is my father. I don't want to, to go into his throne room and go, Oh, dearest father... May I please have some goodness from you today? And be all stiff and have like no relationship. So it, it is a it's a moment of understanding our intimacy with God the Father, that He does love us. And I know that in this area a lot of times that's a hard thing to understand because in Appalachian culture, fathers can be very strict here. And many people, my generation and older, grew up with, with strict fathers. They grew up with, with fathers that were very hard line, And so they didn't get to experience that. But we got to change our understanding of who our heavenly father is. He's not like our earthly father. He is a heavenly father. So again, it's the renewing of the mind. The washing of, of our minds with the word of God. Understanding his great love towards us. Hallelujah. He loves us. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight, Lord, for the revelation around your love. Lord, that you are the good shepherd. You're the one that leads us into good paths. You lead us into, into great green pasture lands. You 
give us everything that we need. Our provision is there. So we thank you, Father, even for your word, that we will place value on your word, that we won't disregard it and say that it's just words. But, Father, we will meditate on it. We will eat it like it's our very strength, like it's the very thing that, that gives nourishment to our bones because that's what you said your word is. It gives nourishment and health to our bones. And we thank you, Father, that even as we do that, Lord, that you bring the health of God into our lives. So we give you glory. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.